Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. Today, we have a, a chance to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. And further, this whole month, we are celebrating the 75th anniversary of the publishing of Yogananda's book, Autobiography of a Yogi. I am so delighted to be joined today by the founder and spiritual director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is the founder of this show, The Yoga Hour. She is an acclaimed teacher, poet, award-winning author, and minister who has served seekers of spiritual enlightenment from all walks of life for over 40 years. She's the recent recipient of the 2021 New Thought Walden Award for Interfaith and Intercultural Understanding. She's published several books, including her latest book, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. A teacher in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, Yogacharya O'Brien serves people from all faith backgrounds who are seeking what is known as self or God realization, awakening, and is the spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in San Jose, California, and the sponsor of our program. You can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien's books and online programs at her website, ellengraceobrien.com, and it's B-R-I-A-N for O'Brien.com, and csecenter.org. You can also follow her on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching for Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm just delighted to be with you this morning and to talk about divine pilgrimage. Yes, I'm really happy to be here and uh, grateful to you and to the Yoga Hour team and all of our listeners and subscribers. It's a joy to have this holy conversation. Yes. So before we dive into that conversation, let's begin with a moment of contemplation, a yoga moment. Oh. So let's begin right where we are, whatever we're doing, and just bringing our attention to our body feeling our body and feeling the surfaces that support our body, no matter what we're doing, if we're perhaps standing or walking, maybe we're sitting, 
perhaps we're in the car driving, but just feeling our body in space and feeling the surfaces. And then turning our attention to the breath, wonderful tool that's always with us as we pay attention, fully conscious of our next breath on the next inhale. And exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, feeling the warm air flowing out. And then using our breath as our anchor, just resting right where we are. Here's something to contemplate from Yogacharya O'Brien's book, Living for the Sake of the Soul. Are you wondering what to do? The universe is divinely ordered. It allows us to fulfill our dharma, the law of our own nature, with the very opportunities now at hand. To discern the divine pattern that wants to unfold, we must see with the eyes of the heart, as well as with the mind, with intuition, as well as logic. Too often we rely on only one without the benefit the other can bring. Ask your heart. Use your mind. Intend to cooperate with the infinite. Ask your heart. Use your mind. Intend to cooperate with the infinite. Once again, Yogacharya O'Brien, it's really wonderful to have you here, have you join me today on the Yoga Hour. And as I mentioned, this year, we are celebrating a year-long series of programs at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment to honor the 40th anniversary of your ministry ordination and also the 40th anniversary of the founding of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. So let's start right there. What does it mean to you to celebrate the 40th anniversary of your ministry? Well, of course, it's a great blessing um, to uh, have been able to serve um, for those years, you know, for those decades. Uh, I have an acute awareness that time is evanescent. You know, mm -hmm. time is unreal. And um, so it's you know, I've been particularly drawn to the question that is central to the yoga path anyway, which is time is evanescent. You know, what is it that is eternal? What remains? And, you know, when we look at how we live and what we do, whether it's, um, you know, spiritual uh, work like this um, or whatever we're engaged in, we, we have to ask ourselves that question. You know, what is essential about what we do? and what will remain and you know so that brings you you know to the awareness of well what should i put my attention on um you know my uh, guru roy eugene davis the disciple of paramahansa yogananda was always such a great example to me of being focused he was very intentional and very focused about the work um that uh, was his dharma, you know, to bring the teachings from his guru 
uh, forward, um, which he dedicated, you know, 60 years of his life to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was that um, focus uh, that was a great teaching for me. And so when I look at 40 years, um, I, I have to say, you know, one, I feel supremely blessed and uh, to have been able to do this work. And two, I feel all the more uh, focused and intentional in terms of moving forward. You know, what is needed um, in, and how, how does the, the work remain intentional and focused uh, now in, in the years ahead? Mm-hmm. I thought it would be interesting for listeners if you shared a story about how your ministry first began from the early days. Well, it began with the intent, you know, I, I would say, you know, before any action that the ministry began for me with my own experience of the teachings. Um, the teachings of Kriya Yoga were completely uh, transforming to me in my consciousness, you know, opening my eyes, opening my mind, opening my heart uh, to the spiritual reality of life, you know, that I had always hungered for. Today we're going to be talking about pilgrimage and that sense of wanting to go and find, you know, that holiness in life was with me from a very young age. So when I met my guru, and I found, you know, how to make that inner journey, um, that was, that satisfied my heart. I mean, I knew I had a long ways to go, but I, I knew that I had found my path and all I, that was all I wanted, really. Mm -hmm. That's all I wanted to do with my life. Uh, I wanted to Um, stay in that stream of God's grace, grace of God, grace of gurus. And so the ministry, the service arose out of my own joy of uh, learning about Kriya Yoga, entering that path, and then feeling that's where I wanted to stay. I wanted to stay close to that, close to my guru. And so the natural way seemed to serve, you know, what can I do? Mm. So that was the first uh, impetus, you know, how could I support my guru's work, which you know, initially I would do however I could, you know, which was, you know, arranging the book table or supporting his talks when he came to California or whatever I could do. And then at some point he said, you know, start uh, a center in, in California. He'd been coming there for, for many years prior and uh, there were students in California. But, you know, as it turned out, his his students, of course, were just interested in being with him. They weren't interested in being with me. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it, it took many years for uh, the work to uh, build, you know, and to unfold in a natural way as my own consciousness uh, evolved. So, you know, there wasn't really... Uh, anybody to teach in the beginning except myself and we had services but you know basically no one came (laughs) but but the key is that um I didn't give up and I didn't give up because uh the life of 
uh, a yogi was was what I wanted. Mm. It wasn't mm -hmm. about um, necessarily succeeding uh, in ministry. It was about living the life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So on this um, 40th anniversary or or beginning, I guess at the um, it, the celebration that we had for the 40th anniversary, which I believe was in October, you called on the CSC community to make this a year of yoga yatra, a time of pilgrimage to the divine self. So first, let's talk about pilgrimage. What's the significance of pilgrimage itself? Well, I think, you know, we can, of course, distinguish um, a pilgrimage from a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> And distinguish a pilgrim from a tourist. Um, so, you know, I have been on many pilgrimages in my life, and probably we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, it's the intentionality um, that we bring. You know, we we set an intention um, to open ourselves to divine grace and to revelation and to being transformed on mm -hmm. our journey. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've also been on pilgrimage and I'm sure that you experience that, that there's an intentionality that, you know, I'm, I'm going to open myself to something I have not experienced, to something I have not known, and I am going to be transformed in the process and with that transformation i will enter my life in a new way um, so there's that kind of structure uh, to um, being a pilgrim having a holy intention um, preparing oneself you know for the journey and uh and then having um a certain attitude, you know, when you're on pilgrimage, which is a receptivity to divine grace that perhaps you don't have as strongly in your ordinary everyday life. You know, we get into a routine and so we don't necessarily see the holy that is right uh, in front of us because mm -hmm. we're, you know, we're seeing uh, through the lens of the mind, you know, through the patterns of the mind. But when we take ourselves out of a familiar context, then we can see uh, with uh, fresh eyes. Mm. Yes, I love that. This time in particular, this next year, you've called on a divine pilgrimage, a pilgrimage to the divine self. So can you elaborate any more on that? Is it, um, how might it be different from a regular pilgrimage? Say, you know, I, I know I have had the good fortune of being with you on a pilgrimage that we made to India in 2016. Um, you know, how is this the same? How is this different? There, the elements are the same. Um, you know, what's different is, you know, what is required of us to open the field of the heart, of the mind, of the vision, you know, within the context of our ordinary everyday life. Mm. Um, this, uh, you know, I, I called it a yoga yatra because really the uh, yatra is pilgrimage in Sanskrit. Um, but 
pilgrimage is really the, the nature of yoga itself. Yoga is mm. journey. It's a journey, you know, from the self to the self. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, there's nothing, you know, new really or innovative about that, but it's a structure that I wanted to put forth for people um, for this year ahead, 2022, for the full year um, to have a way of making an intention to strengthen um, their yoga practice as an inner journey of revelation and transformation. So we'll begin with a retreat uh, for the new year, a Kriya Yoga retreat, and then <clears throat> um, we'll have uh, at the new year a, a ritual for setting intention, you know, to begin the year mm -hmm. um, with intention. And then several supports along the way, as if you were visiting holy places, um, the opportunities to commune, you know, with saints and sages. In our tradition of Kriya Yoga, we have uh, many holy days that we recognize, you know, the birth days or the Mahasamadhis, the conscious exit from the body of a of a yoga master. So with all the masters in our tradition, you know, we celebrate those times, we recognize them and we have, you know, days of, of meditation. Um, you know, we also recognize, um, you know, Shivaratri and Guru Purnima. And so there are several holy uh, occasions that will be part of that pilgrimage to, to raise up um, as a way to enter um, that awakened consciousness. So obviously this is tied to the 40th anniversary of CSE and the 40th anniversary of the, of your ordination. Is there anything else about this time, this time in the world that made this seem important to you, you know, to do this at this particular time, to have this divine pilgrimage that extends throughout this next year? Well, right now, you know, as we are learning how to live uh, with a pandemic and um, we have had, you know, a period of time of being restricted, you know, and there's a focus on what we cannot do and what is not possible. And certainly travel has been, you know, uh, restrained. And there's still some, you know, restriction on that, new restrictions arising. <laughs> and so I, I always think it's useful. Uh, you think about, well, not what you can't do, but what you can do um, and that will be useful. And so coming out of that, you know, the focus on well, what can we do and what is really important, as I said, you know, in recognizing our 40th anniversary, that question has been arising for me. So what can we do in our lives um, that is, is focused on what is most meaningful mm -hmm. for us? And uh, surely there is um, the sense of, you know, community you know, has become increasingly important, you know, as we have had to withdraw from community. And so the idea also that we can be on pilgrimage together mm -hmm. um, 
while making our own inner journey, but pilgrimage as a satsang, you know, as a spiritual community globally, um, you know, with the teachings as our guide, I think it will be really supportive, you know, as we move into living in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so not not looking so much at what, you know, what are the restrictions of what we can't do, but what can we do and really mm-hmm. what must we do at this time um, to strengthen our uh, spiritual lives, uh, our, our ground of equanimity, um, our heart of compassion and to open our eyes to um, divine grace. That's really lovely. And I loved some of the questions that you asked at the beginning. What is eternal and, and what is essential and what will what will remain? Those were just, um, you know, lovely, thought provoking questions for me in my life. So thank you for those. Um, you mentioned this, but I wanted to come back around to it. This is going to be something that when we think of pilgrimage, often what comes to mind is actually getting on a plane or you know, getting in a car and going somewhere. And that's part of the process is, is leaving our, our normal surroundings. So there's a challenge of how do we make a pilgrimage in place? How do we stay at home and still be open to the new eyes, this new possibility of this pilgrimage? Would you comment on that? It's really at the heart of yoga practice, isn't it? You know, how do we um, turn our attention, you know, within and explore that inner landscape in a way that opens our eyes in a new way to the outer landscape and outer conditions. There's a a lovely poem I thought I'd share with you this morning um, that was uh, from the mystic sage Kabir, uh, translated by Robert Bly. And this is from uh, the Kabir book, the uh, 44 of the ecstatic poems of Kabir. And this one, he says, don't go outside your house to see flowers. Mm. My friend, don't bother with that excursion. Inside your body, there are flowers. One flower has a thousand petals. Mm. That will do for a place to sit. Sitting there, you will have a glimpse of beauty inside the body and out of it before gardens and after gardens. Inside your body, there are flowers. One flower has a thousand petals. That will do for a place to sit. Sitting there, you will have a glimpse of beauty inside the body and out of it before gardens and after gardens. Don't go outside your house to see flowers, my friend. Don't bother with that excursion inside your body. There are flowers. (laughs) That's just lovely. I really love that. Um, I do know that in addition to doing pilgrimages at home, you have traveled and you have you have done pilgrimages pilgrimages to different places, including India. Would you share a story about a pilgrimage where you traveled and what what that brought you? Mm. Uh, yes, <laughs> I love to travel and to be on pilgrimage. And uh, 
of course, um, that was something that was very important to Paramahansa Yogananda, many stories about him um, making pilgrimages to holy places and to holy people. So, mm -hmm. you know, as a, as a yogi, uh, I understand that, it, you know, it's it's not just a place, but it's also the meetings with, uh, with holy people. Um, which could be anyone and it could be anywhere if you have the eyes to see and you have uh, that grace field experience. But the first pilgrimage that I made intentionally, you know, before I, I went to India, I went to England and to Ireland. And mm. um, that was in the early 90s uh, to make a pilgrimage because I'd never traveled out of the country. Mm. And of course, I was uh, immersed in Kriya Yoga at that time. And I felt it was time to, you know, spread my wings and begin to see the world a bit. But I didn't want to see the world as a tourist. I wanted to go to uh, holy places. But I felt as a Westerner and somebody with English and Irish heritage, it was important to me um, to go to those places of my ancestors and to look for the holy there. So that's what I did. I didn't really, I went by myself. I didn't really know where to go, but um, it was a beautiful journey. You know, I went uh, first to England and, you know, into the area of London and I, you know, walked along the Thames and uh, I visited uh, St. Paul's Cathedral and Westminster Abbey and then on to Ireland, which I can tell you more about in a moment. Yeah, we still was to have about a minute. I just okay. Yeah. So when I went to Ireland, um, you know, one of the profound memories of Sarah is going to a little place in County Wexford called Ladies Island, and it was a pilgrimage site where you could walk mm -hmm. around this small island, and there were shrines all along the way. And um, things that people left, like, you know, people with asthma left their inhalers, people mm -hmm. who had, you know, whatever problems walking left their crutches or people left their packs of cigarettes um, mm -hmm. because they were there for healing. And um, mm -hmm. that was very meaningful to me to see how people made that journey for healing and for blessing. Mm -hmm. And with that... We've come to the break. You're listening to The Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and I'm here with author, poet, and spiritual teacher, Yogacharya O'Brien, discussing the importance and role of spiritual pilgrimage. Yogacharya offers many online classes and programs, has authored several books, which you can learn more about at her website, ellengraceobrien.com, and also from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment website, csecenter.org. We'll have those links on our website at theyogahour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us through that website, theyogahour.com. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Stay with us, and we'll talk more about pilgrimage in Paramahansa Yogananda's book, Autobiography of a Yogi. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. 
Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Insights and Practices for Spiritually Conscious Living. Welcome back from the break. I'm Dr. Laurel Tahiro here with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien and talking about pilgrimage. So I wanted to ask you, Yogacharya, about this idea of pilgrimage and what, um, why, were you, why do you think you were drawn to making pilgrimages. You've mentioned the one to Ireland, and perhaps we can get back to, you know, the idea of pilgrimage in India. But in general, why were you drawn to uh, pilgrimage? I think that's an interesting question, and I'm curious about how that shows up for people in general. And, you know, for me, um, I can identify it as part of my nature, uh, even as a child. I I really was interested in God. <laughs> I, w- I was interested in how to make the journey to find, you know, God's presence. And I was not raised in a religious or spiritual family. So I was like a little um, pilgrim, you know, looking for how do I find that? It's not here, you know, um, and where do I go? And so um, I would, you know, hitch a ride with friends in the neighborhood to go to their places of worship, you know, which introduced me to uh, interfaith perspective very early on. So I knew that, you know, nobody, you know, nobody owned God and that it showed up in different ways. So that was really important to my spiritual formation. Um, but I remember even walking to, you know, we lived in the suburbs and sort of newly formed suburbs in Hayward, California, moved there from Oakland. And um, there wasn't really much there. And, uh, you know, the biggest uh, shrine that was there was the mall. You know, people would <laughs> pilgrimages to this big shopping mall. Um, but it didn't satisfy my soul. And even as a little girl, I, I sort of ran away and went to, there was a Catholic church um, within walking distance. And I, I went to the Catholic church on my own. Um, I, I don't. I don't know how I did that or (laughs) why or what, but I was inspired to do that. And when I was there, when I came into the church, um, I fainted. I was just a little girl. And it was such an overwhelming experience for me of um, presence that I fainted. And I remember, um, that's the only experience I've had in my life of fainting, but I remember lying on the, you know, in the aisle and people standing around me and I could hear them talking, but I couldn't speak. And so that was probably a very early experience of pilgrimage, you know, going somewhere to experience something. And then I, um, I set up pilgrimages um, in my house <laughs> that I had games, you know, that I would play as a little girl. And I, I called it um, Quaker and Nun 
And because it was a solitary experience and I would clear, I would take everything out of my room, all my toys and everything, I'd put it away in my closet. And then um, I remember having a candle and, and then wanting to walk through the house, you know, with my candle in silence. And <laughs> so, you know, even as a child, I had this urge for finding and being in a holy uh, atmosphere. And so it was with me really, really early on. And, you know, and uh, so some people have that draw and uh, I did. And thankfully, you know, it led me ultimately uh, to my path. And, you know, I think there's some knowing that we have early on about our spiritual journey and, you know, for depending upon how strong the samskaras are, the imprints in the mind, um, you know, how, how much support is there, how long it takes us to find that connection. You know, you, you mentioned Yogananda's pilgrimages and, you know, as a youth, you know, he was, of course, he was raised in a holy family mm -hmm. um, and, you know, surrounded by the Kriya Yoga saints. Um, but he was drawn to pilgrimage. You know, he wanted to go to holy places. He wanted to meet saints and sages um, because that was, you know, that that for him, that was really close to the surface of his nature. You know, he he knew uh, what he was doing. And ultimately, of course, he was looking for um, his own guru, uh, mm -hmm. Tassar, who he, you know, who he met. And, you know, that was the transforming um, meeting for him. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to touch back on India because I know you've made actually several trips to India mm -hmm. and <clears throat> visited many, many holy places. Would you share a story of something that particularly was meaningful to you about one of the pilgrimages that you made to India? Well, the first pilgrimage I made to India was in the early 90s. And, um, you know, it had many of the elements that I mentioned in the first part of the program about, you know, what we will do um, if we want to have a yoga yatra year, if we want to be a year, you know, on inner pilgrimage. Um, and that is that, you know, there was an intention. Um, you know, my guru had been to India several times and he had talked about his journey. He had met um, and had a satsang with uh, Satya Sai Baba, saint uh, in uh, southern India, you know, at that time. And um, so I was interested to see Sai Baba. And um, I wasn't what's really important. And I think um, the same is true in our lineage of Kriya Yoga Gurus, you know, for my guru and for Paramahansa Ji, for Sri Yukteswar um, and so forth. They they did go to holy places and to meet holy people. Um, but it wasn't because they were looking for a guru or looking for a connection. Um, you know, once you found your connection and you have your root, you know, that's something that anchors you. But still, you can go to holy places and meet holy people because of the sattvic atmosphere. It's transformative. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go to India. Of course, I wanted to experience that. Um, I wanted to see, you know, what this draw was with such a Sai Baba. And I had a friend who was a devotee and she arranged uh, a journey for me. And I, uh, part of the preparation, you know, I mean, it was 
I had never been, of course, to to India, and it was a big going to be a big change, you know, for me to do that. And I remember the day that I left, and my husband was driving me to the airport um, from Santa Cruz. Uh, I would fly out of uh, I don't know San Jose or San Francisco. Um, I guess San Jose, and then I was meeting this group in um, Los Angeles. That's where the group was um, that was going to all go to India together. And it was raining, and when we left driving on Highway 17, there was a tree that had downed um, on the highway, and we couldn't get through. Right. And the time was uh, of the essence. <laughs> and so um, my, I don't know, my husband, the Marnad, was sort of like a Hanumanji, you know, who uh, <laughs> went through all the obstacles. You know, he went around the roads in the mountain and, you know, there were so many blocked roads during the storm. And he got me to the airport, you know, just in the nick of time. And so the reason I'm bringing up that piece of the story is to say that, Frequently, when we're going, when we make the intention for a spiritual pilgrimage, with this intention to have it change us and transform us and to lift us to higher spiritual consciousness, right in the beginning we bump up against the obstacles, um, mm-hmm. and so that's always part of my memory of my first pilgrimage to India was that I barely made it, <laughs> and uh, and then of course, um, you know it. It was a very transformative experience. I I was interested as a teacher, um, you know, what was the consciousness of Satya Sai Baba that that drew thousands and thousands of people to his ashram Mm -hmm. every day and people from all parts of the world? Um, He didn't travel himself. He didn't go out of the country. You know, he didn't you know, advertise, you know, come to see such a Sai Baba, but there was a consciousness that surrounded him at work that drew pilgrims. And um, that was, that was a very powerful experience to have. And when I was there, um, interestingly enough, in moments when I was alone, um, I had, um, two of the most profound um, meditation experiences that I've had in my life. So uh, I don't necessarily attribute it to, you know, being with Sai Baba, but being in that holy atmosphere and with the strong intention that I had to go deeper in my meditation. And I sat, you know, I sat for hours. I got up at four in the morning mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I sat and I sat and I sat and I sat with intention and no distraction. And um, the meditation experiences I had were, were truly profound and transformative and really brought me closer to my own tradition. I knew that that wasn't the way for me. You know, of course, he wasn't the teacher for me, but um, it was uh, the experience of being in a sattvic atmosphere where the intentionality of the many pilgrims who were there, uh, I think, was part of the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned or as I guess we both mentioned earlier on in the show, we have been very struck by the themes of pilgrimage that interweave through the book Autobiography of a Yogi. And and this month in particular, we're focusing on that book because it's the 75th anniversary of the publication of this seminal book that 
Yogananda wrote, wrote many books, but I believe this is probably the one that has the biggest circulation. One of the interesting things for me was to was to um, read early on in the book about how many times he tried to go on pilgrimage to the Himalayas to find his guru, which was were always all these events were always thwarted. And then lo and behold, he came to realize that what he needed was not in the Himalayas. He met his guru Sri Yukteswar while running an errand for the hermitage where he was residing in in Benares. Um, so I wanted to ask you about that. So there's this theme about pilgrimages that he wanted to take that he didn't take and then finding what he needed right at home. Did you want to comment on that? Yeah, I think that we can see, of course, reading the autobiography, which is such a great gift uh, to us. Um, we can see this natural um, proclivity that... Um, Paramahansaji had for travel, um, you know, to go to visit holy places, to meet holy people, and even to go to inspiring places in nature. Um, and what we can see is, in some ways, it, it, it was for him a revelation, and it was always learning. Um, there were things that he saw, people that he met, um, you know, he, he, how can I put this? I think he was looking for, of course, that experience of divine communion um, in that sattvic atmosphere, um, which he, he had in many times in many places because, you know, it was within him and he was able to access that. Um, but he also had visions of his ministry that would come later in life when he visited holy places or holy people. He he could see things that were that were to unfold. Um, so just going back a bit about his interrupted trips to the Himalayas, you know that that one where he you know got called back as a as a young man, um, but you know by his brother he got busted. <laughs> um, for, for running away. But one of the interesting stories is, of course, that several months after he became a disciple of Sri Yukteswar, um, he left the ashram impulsively, you know, to go to the Himalayas because he wanted to experience um, this meditation in solitude and have um, a higher samadhi experience of self-realization. And here he was, you know, with his guru at the time. And so that was is a very profound lesson found in the autobiography that, that he was actually right there with what he had, with what he needed. And, um, you know, he tells Sri Yukteswar that he wants to go to, you know, to the Himalayas so he can experience self-realization. And Sri Yukteswar, <laughs> you, you can kind of, you know, feel that tension that must have been there, you know, told him that, you know, basically a mountain is not going to give you samadhi. Um, and it's better to, you know, be in holy company for that. And so it, it was like, you know, it, Yogananda didn't get it. And yeah, yeah. so he, he went on the journey and then he he met um, a disciple, uh, Ram Gopal, a disciple of, of Lahiri Mahashaya, who told him to go back to the ashram and meditate in his room. And that's where he had his first experience of cosmic consciousness. So this is a good story for our yoga yatra year, uh, 
um, understanding that what we need um, is already provided. We don't really have to go someplace uh, in order to have that uh, cosmic conscious experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Particularly with this idea of us having this this year at home and what you were just saying about how can we still be in our in our comfortable same situation and yet have those new eyes that that uh, intentionality about wanting to deepen our practice or to have uh, a um, transformative uh, experience and our our situation may be comfortable or uncomfortable mm. um, I think the the key element is that our our situation that we're in whatever it is is familiar um, and even the pandemic is familiar at this point and so you know how do we begin to see with fresh eyes and um, encounter the holy right where we are. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, there are many, many stories in Autobiography of a Yogi where Yogananda travels. He took pilgrimages to visit men, many saints. The ones, several of the ones that he wrote about are the saint with two bodies. There was a perfume saint the tiger saint, the sleepless saint, the woman who never ate. And there's a quote from him. He said, as, as always, whether East or West, I was eager to meet a saint. And you've talked about that, about the experience, that sattvic um, environment around someone who is uh, spiritually conscious and how that's in and of itself is beneficial. One of the biggest pilgrimages, though, in the autobiography of a yogi in 1935, he was called back to India to um, be with his guru again, Sri Yukteswar, who was, um, I think, must have known perhaps that he was nearing the end of his life. Why, why do you think it was um, at this point in 1936? So he came in 1920. So he'd been, I'm sorry, 35. So he, he'd been in the United States for 15 years at that point. He'd left India behind and had obviously done so much here to spread the teachings of Kriya Yoga. Why, why do you think he chose to then go back to India after so many years in the United States? Well, it was the call um, to be with his guru, you know, which um, he had, I think, when he was in uh, America, um, but he was so uh, engaged and dedicated to the work here that he was sent to do. Um, but the call, you know, to be with his guru was so was so strong. And um, so that's how I see it, you know, mm -hmm. that, um, that that was that was critical. And, and then he had organizational responsibilities to his guruji's larger work, you know, as well, I think. Um, that were part of it. Um, but I want to circle back to to what I was saying about Yogananda's travels and meeting of saints and visiting uh, ashrams and holy places is that, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about how he would see, you know, things that uh, were going to unfold in the future of his work, you know, locations for his ashrams and um 
and, and that was part of it. Um, and then always learning. And so, and you know, when we look at the 40th anniversary of the work uh, here in California and in San Jose and then our affiliate centers, the intention has always been um, to have a holy place you know, to be a holy place, uh, um, a sattvic environment where people can come and experience um, their essence of being uh, as a place of pilgrimage. And so that's also been difficult, you know, during the pandemic when the centers, you know, have been closed and, you know, we're open now, but, you know, in um, not in, in its fullness. Um, but I just want to point to that aspect of ministry, which is um, creating a place that is a place of pilgrimage where somebody just walking onto the grounds, you know, can have a holy experience. And, you know, at my guru's retreat center in North Georgia, the meditation hall is like that. You know, people have meditated there for decades. And of course, my guru meditated there. And when you walk into that temple, you are, you know, your your mind, if you are receptive, your mind is cleared um, by being in that atmosphere. So that's always been my goal um, of the place that, you know, that we uh, have been graced, you know, to receive as the headquarters in San Jose, California, that walking into that onto the grounds into the temple will be a holy experience and you know it it has been out of the intentionality and the spiritual practice um, that has gone on there mm -hmm. and just to say a tiny bit more about that so for listeners who aren't familiar if you are ever in san jose there is a uh, the center for spiritual enlightenment has it's pretty much a, a city block of beautiful gardens there's a there's a um, um lots of different little nooks where you can meditate beautiful plantings of course the temple there's some smaller you know spaces um so yes it is and i think people in the community do use it as that i know when it was open um, that's been recently reopened but that you know a lot of people from the community would come there for that and you, is david rhodes going to be on your show next week yes next week yeah and so, you know, David, um, who is a um, skilled um, musician and composer, and I know you'll be talking about his music, but he's also an architect. And so he's the architect who designed um, the, the sacred um, niches for the gurus in our temple. Mm -hmm. So he helped us to um, remodel that temple that has been there for decades um, to to bring in a light in mm -hmm. the AS area, but also to create uh, shrines for all of the Kriya Yoga gurus in in the temple. So um, we're you know so indebted to David and his visionary capacity um, mm -hmm. having that happen. And he himself is a pilgrim. You know, I made a pilgrimage with David um, to the Himalayas to Nepal, which is mm -hmm. very fond. Uh, memories of that mm. unbelievably we've once again come to the end of the show in closing what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to share with our listeners thank you so much for this opportunity it's been lovely to talk with you and 
I really want to invite all of the listeners, wherever you are, to to think about this coming year of 2022 as a pilgrimage year for you, a year for a yoga yatra, and to make the intention um, to be uh, more clearly focused. However strong your focus is, let it be stronger in this year ahead because it's what we need individually, it's what we need globally. So set that intention and then like you would plan a pilgrimage to go to a holy place, um, think of how you will arrange uh, conditions in your life in this year ahead um, to to have many um, touchstones um, for that sadhana of, of yatra, of pilgrimage. How will you do it? Who will your companions be? Um, and what is the uh, deep intention? You know, what is the transformation that you are looking for? And know, um, as is true on every pilgrimage, that you are accompanied by the grace of God. You know, it has been my um, experience and my joy to have had revelation upon revelation uh, on such journeys in in which you know God speaks to you in the language of your heart um, and transformation uh, is at hand so I hope you will take that to heart and um, in the power of your own um, life and do we have time for me to share one more poem? Sure, absolutely. We'll take the time. Okay, here's one, another one from Kabir um, that's so good about this pilgrimage. He said, I said to the wanting creature inside me, what is this river you want to cross? There are no travelers on the river road and no road. Do you see anyone moving about on that bank or resting? There's no river at all and no boat and no boatman. There's no tow rope either and no one to pull it. There is no ground, no sky, no time, no bank, no ford, and there is no body and no mind. Do you believe there is some place that will make the soul less thirsty? In that great absence, you will find nothing. Be strong then and enter into your own body. There you will have a solid place for your feet. Think about it carefully. Don't walk some else. Just throw away all thoughts of imaginary things and stand firm in that which you are. And with that, see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash IMDivine2022. 